This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. Hope you enjoy this podcast. It's set up and designed for coaches, leaders, and influencers to share their stories and inspire others to share their stories as well. That we can all learn together as a community and get better every day. So thank you for listening. You're season two. As the NBA playoffs start today, we wanted to release an interview with Jonathan Yim. Coach Yim is a video coordinator and player development coach for the Portland Trailblazers. We talked to him about finding your voice, being a better communicator. Uh, he tells us a very interesting story about Damian Lillard and also shares his journey with us, which is also interesting. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Coach GM, I know you're a busy guy. I know you got a lot going on with the Blazers right now. Uh, just so many good things happening with the organization, in particular Damian Lillard and all that. And uh, so everybody's excited about the direction y'all are headed. And so, here again, I just appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, to join us. Absolutely. I want to ask you, uh, like I ask every guest for my first question in that, how were you introduced to the game of basketball? Well, I think that I was introduced at a very young age by my dad. Um, he he was born in Chicago, so the Bulls were, I think, I'm in California, the Bulls were playing the Lakers mm-hmm. in the NBA Finals, and anytime the Bulls won, we got ice cream. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. I was always rooting for the Bulls because every time they won, that meant we were going to get ice cream. There you go. So yeah, so that's kind of how I was introduced to the game of basketball. You know, fell in love with those early Bulls teams. Michael um, Jordan was my favorite player, and um, just watched him. I remember family dinners, watching the game, and, um, going to my grandparents' house and watching the games. Uh, my grandfather used to tape the games because yeah. we didn't have cable, uh-huh. so he would tape the games. And then uh, when I'd see him at church, he'd give me like a stack of VHS tapes that were the Bulls games from that year, that week. Nice. So, yeah, so that's kind of how I got introduced to basketball and fell in love with it. It's funny you say that. I grew up without cable as well, and so I know, I know the struggle, man. Like yeah. everybody's talking at school, everybody's talking about some kind of event, and you're like, "Yeah, uh huh, yeah, I saw that, uh huh." Mm-hmm. You just don't want to, you don't want to expound on it too much, and then trip trip yourself up. You talked about your dad and kind of that connection. I remember, you know, me when I got into coaching. Right, it was with four and five year olds, and uh, mm-hmm. as a 15 year old, that's not a lot of patience, you know, that I'm gonna reciprocate because they don't have patience probably either and uh mm-hmm. so like my my dad came alongside me he taught me how to work with people and I taught him the game to a degree not that he was mm-hmm. completely inept but there were some things he he didn't know I mean because he had never coached basketball prior it was just for the love of the game and for my brother you know so like I, yeah. I completely relate to that and then you talk about kind of how you move forward to to just, you know, in high school and, and starting a, you know, a girls team, a program like that, like, there's just something like, you know, you know that you know that you know, like, this is it. Yeah. And I think to myself, yeah. you know, I, I look back on those days with my dad, and that's where the fondest memories are with my coaching career, and that was just at the onset of it. 
Yeah, I remember it's 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 funny because I think that my family has been very supportive of me in my coaching endeavors. Um, I was so young that you had to have an adult present at practice. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that that's why maybe your dad was there too. Yeah. You were only 15, right? Yeah, for sure. And my grandfather used to come and sit at my practices and just sit and watch and not really, you know, participate on the court, but we just needed an adult supervising the practices because I was like 15, 16, 17. And I, I think back to like things like that and how supportive they were and they knew that, that that's something that I needed there to do this. And they would take the time out and they would be fully supportive of that. My mom used to come to all my high school games. My sister comes to all my high school games. They're sitting in the stands cheering the loudest, um, yelling at the refs, <laughs> all, all the things. You know, my grandparents used to come. When I was coaching freshman boys, they would come and all over Southern California, Orange County, to watch my freshman boys team play. And we, you know, because they were older, they couldn't get into the stands, but we would set them up. The parents were so nice, they would set up kind of a couple chairs for them. Yeah. right next to our bench and yeah I still I mean probably one of my favorite memories was I got a technical in a freshman boys game <laughs> and my grandfather was in the restroom and he came back and he goes what happened and the ref goes your grandson got a technical and my grandfather just started yelling at the ref <laughs> like well he, he, you probably deserve to be yeah. yelled at you know <laughs> And I yeah, still, and yeah. I remember I just laughing and I have to be like, how about you calm down? It's fine. It's fine. Uh, like, you know, that's uh, funny, man. that is good. Those stuff. Are, that's a great moment, man. Yeah. I miss those moments. Yeah. Now uh, I, I, I want to talk about, you talk about losing your father. How did that yeah. kind of impact you? I mean, obviously on a personal level, on an emotional level, on a, you know, on a major, you know, monumental level. But when it came to coaching, did you feel like that was part of also kind of your desire to do it too, to kind of push ahead with that? Or how, how did that impact you as far as coaching and all that, working with people? When I lost my dad, I was really young. Huh. And I think we kind of, everyone kind of goes through grief in a sure. different way. Yeah. And I really feel like coaching basketball, especially at that age, like it helped me find my voice wow. and it helped me um, kind of grieve in a way that was kind of positive, I guess. Yeah. But it also, you know, I think it also distracted me mm-hmm. from um, how much pain and how much hurt I was going through. Wow. I, I would, I played at the boys and girls club too when I was a youth, and I remember you know every time I'm sure a lot of kids do this when you do something good or you do something bad you always look into the stands yeah. and you know you see your family and friends and stuff like that and um I think when I was coaching I I, I maybe wasn't looking in the stands after something good 
Yeah. But I feel like just being in that place where I knew that he had watched me play, I maybe felt his presence a little more and felt like he was still with me in a way. Yeah, I hear you. And I think that helped me and allowed me to um, kind of, you know, work past it and no, I don't want to say get over it because I don't think I've ever gotten over it, but yeah, um, yeah, you know, just work in a way that was positive and stuff like that. Yeah, no, you're processing yeah. it. Yeah, you're processing yeah. it because you're still too young to really uh, work through that in the sense yeah. that it didn't sink in right away maybe and it gave mm-hmm. you, it gave you the opportunity to, like you said, kind of a sedative to a degree. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, like you said, I, I appreciate what you said about grieving in different ways because it's important that we all grieve when we have a loss. I recently, like yesterday, lost a loved one, and, and you know, I think about, you know, losses, right? And I don't ever equate it to basketball. I really don't because it, it, it pales in comparison, and it's a joke if you ever do. And so when we think about losses in life, like real loss, uh, I think it pretty it pretty much puts things into perspective to the degree that we can enjoy basketball even more because we know it's like it's we're we're so thankful to just to be able to do that so just thankful to have that opportunity and it's a and at the end of the day it almost seems like it's it's a hobby like I don't have to do this I choose to do this and that's why I love it so much and so I just I, I kind of that's how I would kind of like correlate it. In, in a, in a, in a yeah. to a degree. So, yeah, definitely. Nah, I, I appreciate you sharing that because I feel like that's something that I think a lot of us as coaches, we get so busy and so tied up in helping others and working with others and doing for others that we forget about ourselves, self-care, mental health, uh, yeah. all, all those things that, you know, we just kind of, uh, we, we wait till a point and then a breaking point sometimes. And, yeah. and just overflows with uh, negative emotions and other other people are hurt by it. So learning to kind of process things properly and grieve properly and all that is really important, I believe. Yeah. I'll say this, though. The kids that I coached at that time, I to this day, some of them, even the girls and the boys, they're some of my really close friends. Nice. And I really feel being so young and being a part of their lives, they really helped me overcome a lot of different things. And um, I really feel like I kind of grew up with them also, in a way. Yeah. Um, matured and developed and got better as a person, as a coach. So. Yeah, no, I, I can, I, your experience really, you know, goes hand in hand with mine, like, I hear what you're saying. You know, those four or five-year-olds that I used to coach when I first started and had them all the way up to, like, eighth grade, they're 30, 31, 32 years old now, and I'm 40. Mm-hmm. And there's this kind of just kinship and friendship because mm-hmm. we were, I was with them when they were, you know, they couldn't even, didn't even know what to think about life and anything in formative years, you know. And so, yeah, I completely understand that and and uh, and just really see that. And I look back, I'm, you know, you're, you're saying all these things and it's making me reflect on my <laughs> life. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it, it's all good, man. I really do. I really do enjoy that. So, it, yeah, I like that. Now, 
Mike, no. let me ask you a question. Go for it. Really quick. Go for it. So, I when I look back at that time, I mean, I was just starting my coaching career. I was just starting coaching, and I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And I feel like at that time, I thought I was, like, the best coach in the world. <laughs> but when I look back at it, I'm like, man, I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> uh, do you yeah. feel similar to that, or do you, like – even I feel like even five years from now, I'll look back and be like, man, you just, you thought you knew a lot of stuff, but the stuff that you know now. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't even compare, right? Compare at all. Now, I think the one thing I was confident in was just, and we didn't call it player development back then. We just called it trying to help a kid get better at the game, you know, improving. And I think that's where I learned how to teach. I wasn't because the player that I was wasn't the player that was uh, teachable. I was coachable, but I wasn't so much the kid who was going to like, okay, yeah, we'll run all these sets. I was the player that was like, give me the ball. I create and I score. And that's what I'll do. Uh Okay, coach. No, no, no. I don't want to run a set. I want to create and score. And Uh so I learned how to teach the game. And uh, I I don't know, man, like you're right. Like looking back, if I was those parents, I'd have been like, "Could you get your son off the court, sir?" Like, t- somebody telling my dad that, you know. But, but of course, when you do those things as a, on a voluntary basis, everybody's sitting around, you know, twiddling their thumbs or second guessing everything you're doing. But nobody steps on the court with you to help as well. So I think at the end of the day, they were just like, "Well, at least he's he's doing it out there. I can just kind of do whatever. I can leave if I have to leave, and baby can babysit." basically and so uh yeah i do look back and say wow if i had known then what i know now not that i know you know like i'm so you know intelligent when it comes to the game i know guys that are better i live here in san antonio and i just got to look at pop and his staff and i'm thinking jeez like one day maybe you know Um, those are the type of things where i just yeah i look back and say at the genesis of it all I just, I really just was feeding off my dad as far as having a heart for people. That's really what it was. Because I, I mean, yeah, I didn't know my nose hole from my ear hole <laughs> as far as coaching. <laughs> I think, though, what you kind of brought up that's really good, I, even for our coaches coming up, I think at the lower levels or when you just first get started or even with young kids like four or five or 10, 11, 12, I think it's a great opportunity to, for you as a coach to find your voice. Yeah, for sure. And also to make mistakes and try different things. Yeah. And you have a lot more freedom to do things that you might look back at now that are like, man, that was crazy. I can't believe I did that. You know, offensively, defensively, player development wise. Or, you know, that I remember I did this thing 10 years ago with a girl or a guy and. I thought it was really good. Um, so for me, I'm very appreciative of the parents. Yeah. They gave, you know, trusted me with their kids Yeah, and allowed me to really develop as a coach. And I remember I had a conversation with one of the girl, a girl that I coached uh, who I'm really good friends with. And I told her, man, if I had you now coaching you, that like, you might've been a division one player, mm-hmm. this and that. And yeah. She just, she just said, no, you did a great job. Like, I really, like, you made basketball fun. Yeah. And, you know, you, you put the love of basketball into me because I could see how passionate you were about it. 
and uh, it made me passionate about it. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. When you can kind of uh, here again pass down that love for the game, because I think that's what's I don't know, it's what's missing with youth sports in general, grassroots. I mean, it's all about AAU exposure, rankings, and all that, which is there's a place for it to be sure, but uh, the love of the game. I think that's why a lot of guys, at the end of the day, I don't know whether they quit on their teams or they quit on themselves or they transfer if they're mad or there's just no love for the game. Everybody's used to losing and they're okay with that. And I don't know. I'm like you, man. I saw Michael Jordan win, win, win. And uh, he just didn't put up with losing when he was losing to like Detroit and that like, I just I saw that. That's what basketball was to me. Basketball was like competition more than it was, uh, you know, a way to be seen or heard. It was yeah. like, I just want to go out there and compete, man. I want to win. I want to win bad. <laughs> so, I mean, that was kind of my... I was, lucky, I was lucky to have a really good coach growing up, and he used to always tell me, you know, basketball is a great reflection of how you're going to live your life. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. teach, it's going to teach you all these life lessons. Like, if you want something, you have to work hard for it. And how are you going to deal with failure? And how are you going to deal with setbacks? And how are you going to deal with someone else being better than you? Yeah. Or what are you going to do? And um, I, I think those lessons that he taught me, and I really try to pass down to other people that I've taught and yeah. coached. Yeah. But I think that they've just kind of stayed with me. You know, even things like just being on a team and, being able to sacrifice and um, not just be so selfish and it's all about you, you, you. Yeah. So um, that's why I like playing golf, honestly, because after basketball, it's all about the team and then golf is growing. It's <laughs> all about you, right? Yeah, it's about you against <laughs> so, the course. Yeah. 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 So, you know, that, that was the great, uh, you know, that was the great balance for me as an athlete. So that's great, man. Now, now that here again, talking about your 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 kind of uh, you finding your voice, you finding your 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 legs even in the, in the sport of basketball and how you're you know setting an example for the kids and helping them to love the game. Uh, now where you're at, what excites you about working with some of the best players in the world? I really enjoy. Their, I think that their passion matches my passion for the game. Nice. And the, the great thing is it's very similar to any level. If It's cool to watch a kid or a player develop. Yeah. And things that you've worked on, you see it translate into the game. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be something like a step back or just some new dribble combination or them improving their jump shot, different things that you just work on. And then when you see it in a game, you just, it's like, you just, you have so much pride. You know how much time and effort that they've put into it, how much time and effort you put into it. Um, How, I don't, I don't know a single coach it wants one of their players to not be successful or to fail. Yeah. So when they are successful, you feel just this jubilation and excitement. So I think that that for me really, um, that's what really excites me. 
on making guys better, um, just working on different things, and then kind of, you know, like being a teacher and a, as growing up, just my philosophy and personality, just kind of continuing to see them evolve as men yeah. and human beings, that really excites me. And knowing that, like, I might have had a positive impact on them, however brief encounter we've had, those are the things that just make me really excited working with players. That's great. Shared vision, shared success, kind of that mentality. And uh, you can revel in that as well. Because, yeah, I mean, like, you're dealing with the top the top league in the world, the top players in the world, the best of the best. And you, some as, a, as an onlooker, we can think, wow, those guys probably just, you know, roll out of bed and they're ready to hoop. I mean, they probably don't even put on their shoes. They go out there and just hoop and the reality is a lot of these guys put a lot of time and work into their craft to master it, not to, not to be the master of it to a degree, but to master it, like to say, Hey, I'm a pro. Like I've, I, I, I interviewed uh, Paul Hewitt a while back and he, we spoke about levels. Like he goes, I used to talk about kids in, in college and say, Oh, he's a future pro. He goes, now I wouldn't do that because I know what pros look like. And there's even different levels of pros once you even get to that point. Mm-hmm. And so I think like what you're saying is like guys that are willing to, to, to get better and better every day, like that has to be something to look forward to every day. Because otherwise yeah. it would be kind of mundane and, uh, and pointless maybe. I don't know. I just think that's, that's, that's awesome, man. That's a great, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're experiencing that. Now, yeah, I, I always tell our guys it's, the way that they work, there's a difference. Like, you got to be smart in the way that you work, too. Yeah. Right? You don't want to just, what's the point of shooting, making 500 threes when you're shooting terribly, like with terrible form and yeah. um, just to say that you made 500 threes or whatever. So I think the difference between the guys, the levels, as you say, I think guys that, are at a different level. They just know what they have to do and they're very smart in it and they have a game plan. They have a roadmap. There's guys that I, there's players that I work with that we talk about it. Hey, this summer, these are the three things that we need to get. Like these are three things that we want to work on. And then it's not just them just saying like, okay, let's work on it. They want film on it. They want to see other guys doing it. Um, we spend a lot of time on the court working on it, and then we're hoping that it translates into the games for next season, or I guess for right now, they're during the restart, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome, man. Like they want to go in depth with it. You want know, the rhyme and the reason. You know, I think yeah. what you're talking about, professionals are just like you know, we're all human beings. We're all wired the same in that. Don't just tell me to do it. Tell me why. What what's the benefit? How will this make me better? Who's doing it that might be better? And you know, mm-hmm. best practices, man. Basically, you know, mm-hmm. how can I get there? So that's great, man. Like, it's great to know that that's happening at that level because then, when we ask a fifteen, twenty year old to do the same at the college level or the high school level, or even the middle school level, we can say, well, 
you know, so-and-so at the, the, the pro level is getting it done this way, and they're still trying to get better. You can use that mm-hmm. as a point of reference. Uh, Absolutely. So that's, that's. I don't think anyone just sits and rests on their laurels at no, this level. Not like, at all. There's there's so many guys that are coming up that want playing the league, and the guys have to work hard, right? Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, someone else is going to come in and take their position. Take their no. position and their money. That's the tough part, you know. Absolutely. At that level, yeah. there's too much. It's high, high risk, high reward. And uh, mm-hmm. you're risking it all when you don't appreciate the rewards that come with working hard. And, and like you said, having a game plan and being smart about it. That's, that's mm-hmm. the main thing. So that's great. Now, can you give me, you have a memorable moment and maybe your first time, you know, as a coach or at that level working with players in a game or, or at practice, any just memorable moment where you said, whoa, this is, this is real. Um, I don't, I, my first, I remember, I don't really, I don't know if I, I have a lot of memories actually. Yeah. I don't know if I have one that's just one that's like my favorite or, uh, it's just different, you know? Yeah. I, you. I, I, I do, to me, I just think that I've always been very supported, supported. Um, by the players and coaching staff, and that's allowed me to be really comfortable yeah. and really just kind of find my voice at this level and find what works for me and find who I am as a coach and how to communicate better and relate better to the players. And it's just, I think that that's just very important. Yeah knowing that you have that support and having that just that backbone of people that are just on your side and just believe in you yeah. and believe in what you're trying to do. So for me, I guess my favorite moment when I just began coaching at this level was just having a superstar just kind of back up, back me up. Wow. You know, when I was going through drills, I mean, I just, I, I guess I can be honest about it. Like, Damien, when I was doing a drill with the guards, you know, some of the younger guards were just like, what? Like, no, what, what are we doing? And Dame just point blank was like, look, Jim's telling us what to do. He's the coach, and this is what he wants us to do, so we're going to do it. Nice. You know, and having, like, a superstar like that just kind of back you up and, um, yeah. Got every just the entire put everyone just in line. No one else said anything, and no one like it was probably a stupid drill, right? <laughs> like I mean, I, I I can't remember the drill, um, but you know I was probably nervous, and I was like, all right, here's what we're gonna do, right? Like do this and this and this. But you know, Dame, that's I mean, I think that speaks to Damien first off. But I remember once just having him just stand up for me a little bit in that moment just gave me a lot more confidence. Like, okay, like if Dame's willing to do this and listen, then other people will listen and stuff. Yeah, that almost trumps anybody else kind of saying anything like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Let's get it done. And, like, you know, another coach could be like, well, I don't know about that drill. 
as long as Damian yeah. Lillard's like, nah, man, we're doing it, then it's like, yeah, yeah, who asked you? Yeah. You know, <laughs> kind of in that mode, like, that has to be exciting, man, to, to yeah. as you said, now, I know Phil Beckner really well, and he's great with Dame, and, you know, everything that I've heard about Damian Lillard has been nothing but, you know, he's he's a top-notch elite human being, you never mind the yeah. basketball. So, yeah, that, that makes sense that he would do that because that's, uh, you know, unless your drill was just, like, mind-blowing. It was just, like, <laughs> throwing cones and tennis balls and yeah, doing, no. a, doing a backflip and then having to dunk the ball with your feet or something. And, yeah, like, yeah, you know, a get real game-changer must have yeah. been. That's great, man. That's a great story, though, because I think a lot of us as coaches, if we can have our – our stud star, you know, mega star player, you know, kind of back us up. You know, that's the, that's kind of the, the I don't want to say validation, but basically, yeah, validates what you're doing. And it says, hey, we're, we're, we're all going to do this. And yeah, no, and it's awesome. So how do you add value to the Blazers organization? I think I add value to the Blazers organization because I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help us win. Yeah. Um, whether it's stay late, you know, watch more film, help guys out on the court, off the court, work with the coaches, work with the coach. Um, whatever it is, I'm willing to do. Even if it just gives us a 1% advantage, yeah, I still think that that's an advantage that might make a difference between us winning and losing. Yeah, um, and I think that that just having that mindset and that mentality is important, especially in my role. Because um, I I think it, just like the players, it'd be easy. You made it to the NBA. You're here. Um, you don't have to work as hard now, or you don't have to do as much. Well, I, I, that's just never been my mentality. Like, whatever it takes to win and whatever I can do to help us win, I'm willing to do. And I think that that's my greatest attribute. Um, and it's also probably my greatest contribution to the team, that there's no job that I'm not willing to do. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm just, yeah, I... That's pretty much it, I guess. Yeah, no, that's I'm willing great. to do anything to help us. Yeah, there's no job no. too small. You know, you're not yeah. you're not above it all to be kind of like, well, Dane backed me up on this one drill. Now I don't have to do anything. You know, you can you can you, yeah. you really. I don't know. I think that that re having the support like you talked about earlier about feeling like you, they support you, having mm-hmm. a superstar like that kind of back you up even in one moment. All that can help you to work even harder and do the little things even more because, man, sometimes it's, you know, they say everything's in the details. Everything's in preparation. And if you're willing to do all that and act like you haven't arrived and, and but yet acting like you've been there before, uh, I think that's great, man. And I think that it's a humility. It's a powerful humility. It's not a humility that's just, a pushover humility. It's a real humility that says, Hey, I'm not too, I don't think too much, so much of myself. I think highly of myself, but not too highly. 
to where I can't help anybody. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's great, man. That's really, really good. And, I don't and with with like Dame, Damien, for example, I know how much he gives and how bad he wants it and how bad he wants to be successful, both as a team and as an individual. And I remember this year we were playing Golden State and we didn't have a lot of our guys. A lot of our guys were hurt. Yeah. He, he, he played, he might have played 48 minutes. We won in overtime. He scored 60 points. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. I remember sitting with him after the game, and I, I just told him, man, that was an amazing performance. And, you know, the, I just, in that moment, I just remember going, no matter what I'm going through or no matter what, like, I can't let him down. Yeah. Right? Wow. And I feel that same way even about Coach and our general manager. They brought me and they gave me my first opportunity. I just, I don't want to do anything to ever let anyone down. But I don't want to be the reason why something didn't work or something didn't happen or all the things. Because I know how much they care about it and how important it is to them. Yeah. And because they have supported me and they have backed me up and they have given me an opportunity, like I, all I want to do is to help them achieve their dreams and their goals. Yeah. Uh, That's great, man. Like you're again, a, a shared vision. It's a, it's an understanding that of, uh, you don't want to be the weak link. You definitely don't want to be that. And you're showing loyalty in a world where there's not a lot of it at times or seemingly sometimes, uh, you know, us is out here again, not being involved in that world at all. Sometimes we think, well, they'll just trade you at the drop of a dime. They'll just let you go at the drop of a dime. People think that way about professional sports in general. However, I don't think it's that easy. <laughs> I've been a part of teams all my life, basically. And it's not that easy to let somebody go out of your family, out of your team, out of that structure. Definitely not out of a contract. So it's like, you know, you're talking about loyalty there, and I think that's great because that's something that we can build more. And it's not a loyalty like I'll do whatever you say and, and I won't even question it. Uh, you know, there's there's time for that because there's some things you don't have to question, just do it. Uh, but a loyalty that says I don't want to let anybody down, that's great, man. I think that's solid. That's super solid. Now, how did your previous experiences as far as coaching, here, working with kids, all that, uh, how did that prepare you for where you're at today? I think it made me a better communicator. Yeah. I coached a lot of different type of kids in, in different situations. And having to get through to those kids and having to communicate with them, you know, both on and off the court, I think it just really helps me at this level. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I always say, because I started with coaching girls, and I always say, like, that was probably, like, the great, great um, starting point for me because with girls, like, girls, you have to almost over-communicate exactly yeah. what you want. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, yeah. you're going to bring your left foot here, and then you're, you know, because yeah. th that's, that's how they, um, that's how they're coachable, at least mine were. Um so I, I thought it made me really study the game because I knew that some of the girls that I had, I was going to have to teach them with great detail 
exactly what I wanted and how to teach them different moves and stuff like that. Yeah. So it made me just really study the game, which I think has translated to this level, studying, you know, being a student of the game, watching film after games, before games, uh, watching other teams, um, and then being able to communicate to the players with detail how you want things done and why we want them done. Not in a, not, and not communicating in a way where it's like, like you say, like, this is what you have to do, right? But, yeah. hey, like, this might be a good op- this might be a good opportunity for you. Yeah. Or this might be something that's good for you and having that shared vision going forward. Yeah. No, I, I like what you said about coaching females. I live with a gang of females because I have four daughters and a mm-hmm. wife. And so wow. I, I've come to the conclusion, and I think I always knew it, that girls mature faster than boys, right? Like at a, just at a base level. So when I, I coached girls for two years, uh, actually three, I take it back. I did a middle school team as well. Uh, they did everything I asked them to do. Every, everything they, you know, the boys, in my experience with young men, they know better than me. And so that's cool. Like they can jump and do all these wonderful things athletically the girl side of it wasn't that way. However, everything I asked for, they did. And they did it, you know, scratching and clawing. And they did it. I mean, they gave so much effort. So, yeah, I completely sympathize with what you're saying. And, and it just, yeah, it teaches you to be a better communicator because when you tell a young lady, you need to do this, their face is going to tell you whether they understand you or not. They're not just going to say, yes, coach, and then walk away. And they're going to say, hmm? What do you say? What is that? What did you say? What language, what language was that? And so I think that's, yeah, being a better communicator is just helpful in all facets of life. But, yeah, definitely uh, you talked about finding your voice earlier and communication. And I think everybody listening can really uh, key in on that because that's something you have to do. When working in this game, I don't care if you're a great uh, X's and O's guy. You don't know how to connect and communicate those X's and O's and make it uh, feasible to a degree uh, and understandable, then, yeah, it's going to be hard. So, yeah, I appreciate you saying that because communication is so key in in life, period. So, yeah, that's great. Now, uh, I want to talk about, you know, last year in April, you had a car accident, right? And it was pretty well documented, and I saw tons of articles about it. And uh, how did that accident, you know, change or reinforce your life perspective? Well, um, I feel like I'm in therapy right now. We're talking about a lot of different things, you know? You know, you know. Uh, I thought this was a basketball podcast. No, you know what? I'm glad you said that because for a while there, I was like, yeah, that's kind of like we're having therapy. But you know what, Coach? Oh, man. But you know what? This is why, you know, you're speaking to the whole point of this whole yeah. podcast because, like, I could do the X's and O's podcast, but I know guys could do better ones. For, for instance, there's a, a podcast called The Basketball Podcast with Chris Oliver. And his is an mm-hmm. X's and O's podcast. And if I tried to hold a, a, a candle to that, I'd get smoked. So, like, I tried mm-hmm. to just find my lane. And 
It really, I can't. No, you're good. Yeah, no, you're but, good. but I just. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I was like, man, we're really getting deep into my feelings now. How, do you... <laughs> How did that make you feel? Um, yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, the, that, the accident, the accident, to be honest, was, you know, it, it reawoken me. Yeah. Um, you know, it was definitely a very traumatic uh, experience. That, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've seen pictures of the car and stuff like that, but yeah, I, mean, forward, I feel like, yeah. yeah, I feel like my family and I were very lucky to be alive. Yeah. And because of that, I think you just have to reevaluate some, some things in your life, knowing that your life can end at any moment. Yeah. And you have to kind of maybe you know, take some things out of your life or add some things. And um, it just gives you a whole different perspective when you're put in that position. I remember laying in the ambulance, driving to the hospital, and I'm praying to God, and I'm worried about my family, and I'm worried about me. And, um, you know, it's, I hope no one ever has to be put in that situation because it's scary. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I... I've never been so scared in my life wow. because I just didn't know what was going to happen next. Yeah. You don't know how bad your injuries are, how bad your family's injuries are. And then to top it off, like my mom and sister and my brother-in-law were in the car. It's like, what if one of them passes? Like that yeah. guilt that you're going to feel yeah. as I was driving. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it, Overall, I think it made our family closer because we all kind of went through that. And then we got to spend a lot of time recovering afterwards. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it just is scary. Yeah. Yeah, no, especially you you talk about having your family with you. Like, that's, uh, that's a whole, like, man, a whole line of a bloodline, basically wiped off the face of the earth in one fell swoop and that is yeah that's sobering i guess the best way to put it uh and that's why i asked that question man because i really feel like a lot of these uh, experiences we have in life uh they translate to whatever we're doing you know vocationally whether it's coaching or you know we're doing maintenance somewhere or do whatever we're doing in life right like those experiences really shape us and help us to really see that the gr- the grass is green where we water it. You know, it's like we always think, well, if just this and if just that. No, if just you put the axe to the grind and get some perspective, and you'll find out that where you're at is where you're supposed to be. I think. So yeah, no man, I appreciate I, you sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say this though. I remember. I do know that after I knew everyone was safe my mentality did shift. Like, once I knew that I was good and, like, my mom was good and my sister was good and my brother-in-law was good and we're all going to survive, it was just, how am I going to get back to where I was? Yeah, um, yeah. As fast as I can. Because I wanted to, you know, I do triathlons. And wow. uh, my goal last summer was to try to win one or at least podium, which was finishing the top three. Yeah. And with the... I broke my leg and my hand and my neck, and it, it was 
it was very difficult for me sitting in the hotel or the, the hospital, not being able to move my body. And a day before, I had run ten miles, and like wow. a personal personal best, right? Yeah. yeah. And I remember I I was they put me on a chair and the uh, the therapist was like all I want you to do is move your foot up and down. And I couldn't do that. Wow. And I just started crying and crying and crying. Yeah. Because I felt so helpless. Yeah. And I thought she did a really good job of calming me down and just telling me, we'll get there. It's going to take time, but you're going to get back to where you are. And I think that that's something that you need to hear in anything that you do, right? Like, yeah. nothing happens overnight. Yeah. Where you want to get to just takes time. And sure. it's something that you can't get too discouraged with when things don't go your way. And it's something that you have to just be mindful of that eventually the time will heal all wounds. So my goal when I was in the hospital was I signed up for a half Ironman September, I think it was like September 11th, September 12th, somewhere around there. I was in the hospital and uh, had surgery like May 3rd or something. And I made it a goal of mine. I said, I have four months and I really want to do this race. Like this is the race that I was looking at to try to win. And my mindset had to change to, I just want to finish this race. Because yeah. four months after surgery, uh, breaking all these bones and my family being this traumatic event and stuff like that, if I can somehow make it to the finish line, then that will be the biggest triumph that I, that's to me bigger than winning the event. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, everyone thought I was crazy. <laughs> and, um, I remember just telling my uh, physical therapist, I told him when I got there, I was in a wheelchair and I took me and I said, this is the goal. And he's like, I don't think you can do that. And I was like, okay. It's like, but we just take it day by day and we're going to see what we can do. And, you know, religiously, I was in that physical therapist room you know, three, four times a week just working and I was doing stuff on my own. I was getting in the pool and I was beginning to start and then he cleared me to bike a little bit. Um, Finally, about two weeks before the event, he said to me, you know, I I think you might be able to pull this off. Wow. And I just remember crying. His name was Mike and I said, Mike, all I've tried to do this entire time is just turn that no into a maybe. Yeah, yeah. Because if I turn that no into a maybe, then maybe it becomes potentially and potentially <laughs> becomes yes, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that that mentality really came from the accident of just not necessarily not accepting no, but just understanding that, yes, it might be no right now in that moment. Yeah. But if you really have a goal or you have a strong conviction for something or you have something that you really want, you can continue to work toward it. And eventually, 
like we said earlier, it's not going to be like where you flip the switch and all of a sudden you're doing this, right? Yeah. That no becomes a maybe, and the maybe becomes potentially, and potentially becomes a yes. And then when it becomes a yes, you're doing what you set out to do. Yeah. So um, we ended up in Santa Cruz, and it took a long time, and it was very difficult, but I was able to finish the race, and um, that to me was, like I said, a bigger triumph than actually winning it. Yeah. And it meant a great deal to myself as well as my family, who was all there at the finish line as well. So That's great, um, man. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. You know, the yeah. these uh, yeah. victory comes in all shapes and forms. You can hear again, even though you didn't get to that podium, you had an internal podium that you jumped on. You you got you got the prize of all prizes. I mean that's your 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 dignity your dignity to a degree, uh, your sense of uh, I don't know maybe even self worth. Like I'm I'm back, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I've been I've been well, through that. So yeah. I think it just you know even my sister says this all the time about my dad uh, when he passed. There's not a lot of things where you don't feel like you can overcome because you've already been through, like, the hardest thing. Yeah, yeah. And even when I broke my leg and stuff like that and all the things and people were telling me it's going to be really difficult, I always had, to me, I've already experienced so many difficult things growing up and just through life. Yeah. That that didn't seem that difficult to me, I guess. Yeah. And the more things that you accomplish, I think, that are hard, the more confidence you're going to have that you're going to be able to do those hard things that yeah. come up in the future. Because you have that entire base of experiences to kind of push you over. Yeah, for sure. Gosh. It, I mean, that's a, you, you put it together right there fantastically because a lot of things that we, I don't know, worry about or fear in life are things that we're probably never going to experience. But when we face fears and we face obstacles like you have, then everything else that comes along is kind of like, eh, it's bad, but it's not going to take me out. It's unfortunate. But, you know, like you said about that whole progression you went through of like maybe turns into potentially, turns into yes, turns into let's go, you know. All that that whole mentality, really, um, to, I, not unfortunately, I guess, but unfortunately, some people don't ever have those type of life experiences, and they go their whole life kind of just lying to themselves and being afraid of everything they see. And so, yeah, especially during these times right now, like that mentality is like that's gold if you have it, if you can, you know, latch onto it. So, yeah. I hear you completely, Coach. Like, and I appreciate your your journey, man, because that's that's a lot. It's a lot right there to have to to, to persevere through and and experience. So, and, uh, and so now it kind of leads me to my next question. In that, uh, you know, we I always think about how I got where I got or where I'm at, where I'm at, and sacrificing or investing time or whatever it may be. But uh, what have you sacrificed or invested to be where you're at today? 
I think that the one question that I always get a lot is, what's your favorite part of the job? Mm-hmm. And I always say my favorite part of the job is I'm living a dream and I feel so blessed. And wow. Never thought I'd be here. But then the follow-up question is always like, well, what's the worst part of the job? <laughs> and I think it kind of goes into the question about what you have to sacrifice and what if you had to give up. And I always answer that the worst part of my job is that I don't get to see the people I want when I want to see them. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that, that that's been the biggest sacrifice. My family, to see me, my sister and my mom for most of my life and my grandparents. And we have, I have my godparents that are very close and some other family. Um, but, you know, the holidays and uh, birthdays and different things where you don't get to see them yeah. and don't get to be there and be part of it and see different big life moments. Uh, that's been, for me at least, that's been the hardest thing that I've had to give up. And um, that's been, I think, the biggest sacrifice yeah. that I've had to give up. Yeah, and it, and it goes it mirrors kind of. I I have a lot of college coaches on the podcast, and they have the same kind of. You know, it sounds kind of like when I ask that question, I already know what they're gonna say: family, family time. Mm-hmm. Like, but at the, the other end of it is that that time away is invested to have a better life for their family as well. So I think there's always those give and take. I mean, that's just life, you know. Yeah. And sometimes you got to. You got to do those things to, I guess, the things you love to do sometimes take away from those that you love, <laughs> you know, and I think that's kind of the, the big picture of it all. So, yeah, I hear you. Now, and I think when, as you get further along, right, you're going to have to eventually, you're going to decide, I guess, what's more important to you and um, what you, what you, how, like, you, how you want to live your life or, you know, do you want to be on the road half the year or do you want to be at home with your family, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get, you make those you make those tough decisions, but I know if you have a good support system, they'll always, like you talked about, you have a support, you felt support from the organization already. You felt support from, a, from the player, you know, of the organization. You know, mm-hmm. your family supports you. I mean, that's that, which is great because it leads into to to uh, another question down the line. But how has working for the Blazers enriched your life? Um, I think it just allowed me, it's given me an opportunity to share my story, and to hopefully, um, hopefully, just inspire someone else kind of carry out their dreams. Yeah. Um, it also gives me an opportunity to just see, like, I'll be honest with you, I really wanted to be a college basketball coach. Yeah. And that's because I thought I was a pretty good high school basketball coach, and I thought that the way that I coached would translate to the college level. Yeah. And you, I think as a competitor, you always want to compete at the highest level just to see where you stacked up. Yeah. And just, just kind of, understand, you know, like, you're really good, you're really, you're not that good, you're as good as you think, you're not as good as you think, and I think working for the Blazers, like, well, they, 
thought they gave me a great opportunity. They allowed me a lot of freedom. They gave me a lot of opportunity to do different things, too. But it's allowed me to just really see, hey, can I coach at this level? Like, am I good enough to be at this level? Do I have what it takes to be at this level? Yeah. Um, and I think daily I kind of go through those questions in my head whether it's just being in coaching meetings, doing my own scouts, helping out um, players on the court, watching other coaches work with their players, uh, talking to other coaches, just understanding, you know, as a competitor, where do I staff and where, where am I or where do I need to get better? Yeah. And how can I continuously improve in my craft? And, that's great, man. Like, yeah, you know, when you're in a situation where you can get better, you know, and you have the freedom to get better, because uh, some some places you're capped out where you're at. Like, no, you can't. Now you're going to hear a lot of that. Like, no, you can't do that. You can't be that. You can't be all that you want to be, in other words. And I think that's a, that's a freedom and a liberation to a degree uh, to just really step out and be creative now, you know, do some things differently. Like you said, measure yourself. Like, who who doesn't want to find out where they're at? Like, I think yeah. as a competitor, and not that I ever want to one-up anybody, but at the end of the day, I kind of want to one-up some people, you know? And, and nobody mm-hmm. specific, just my opponent and just myself. And so, yeah, that's the competitor in all of us to want to know where we're at. And so coaches and anybody listening right now, please, if you've, if you've lost the will to find out how good you are and where you stack up, uh, maybe not so specifically, uh, and you need to you need to find that because that's what's going to drive you and that's what's going to propel you to do greater things and maybe even solve for yourself. So I think that's that's really important. Now you talked about your family and we talked about a support system. How important is your support system right now? I mean, it's everything to me. So you know, I, I don't I don't think I'd be where I am without him. Yeah. And, um, I think that there's been a lot of tough nights mm-hmm. and just tough experiences and stuff. And just having people that, you know, could care less if you were in the NBA or not. Yeah. Um, but just want to see you be happy and you be successful. Yeah. I think that's so important to have. Yeah. Yeah, no, man, you're you're ah, you're invaluable to their lives, man. Like that's like it's just I feel completely what you're saying. Like I, I don't I'm like my wife, right? Like we're talking about these different moves I want to make as far as a coach and where I, where I see myself in you know five year plan, if you will. And her mentality is like it doesn't matter to me. Like I'm here to support you. Like you know. I'm not thinking, i definitely not thinking, well, I better get a better job or she'll leave me. No, I'm not thinking that at all, but I'm mm-hmm. thinking just the pride that our families have in us. And it wouldn't matter what we do for a living. It matters who we are and how we live our lives. Like, that's what really matters. And so I completely, completely feel with what you're saying because that support system is everything for myself as well. And uh, Yeah. And my, you know, my family watches every game. I mean, they're they're... My mom will text me and go, what happened tonight, you know? 
know, and yeah. I'd be like, I don't know, we lost. <laughs> you know, or, that was a great game. You know, like they're they, they're more they're they they they're they're just so annoyed and they're just so That's happy great. when we ask the best. They were, you know, obviously, like I said, they were in the accident with me, but the thing, the accident was the day after Dane hit the shot against OKC. Yeah. So they were at that game, game five in Portland, and I remember I, I was on the court celebrating, and you know, I was able to look up into the stands, and they were there, and they were just absolutely excited yeah. Static and overjoyed. Um, and, you know, yeah, they don't. They don't care whether I'm coaching high school or middle school or if I'm in the NBA or anything. But you know, they. I feel like our families. They. They take it like our team is their team. Yeah. And they, you know, they fall in love with the guys just as much as we fall in love with the guys and girls and. They fall in love with the team and the city just as much as we do, and they have such pride in it. Yeah, um, you know, just because of our association with it. So, you know, having having that support, I think, is important. Knowing that they have your back no matter what, uh, really just helps. No, for sure. You get through some difficult times, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think as long as your mom doesn't ever text you. You know, what did you do because of this loss? How did you impact this loss? Then you're okay. I just start blaming you for losses. <laughs> well, you know, what they critique, you know what they critique me on? Because at halftime, uh, they interview um, the coach who scouted it, right? Yeah. So I'll get a text and I'll read it after the game. Your interview was not very good today. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, right? Those are the yeah. texts that I'll get. From them uh, that <laughs> offers me some critiques. Or, You're getting better today. That was a good interview. You know? <laughs> like, thanks, guys. Yeah, it only of, took seven takes. <laughs> so, all, all of our egos need a shot every now and then, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to keep you humble. Yeah. That's all, man. That's awesome. <laughs> so, another, another big picture type question, man. Why do you do what you do? Um, I do what I do because I love basketball. Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably my favorite sport. And it's something that I just really enjoy. And I enjoy teaching. I enjoy coaching. And not just on the court, but having the relationship with guys off the court and having a positive impact, hopefully, on their lives is important to me. And Kind of following up on our last question as a competitor, I wanted to see, I wanted to like back up. Yeah. Um, and I think that I'm a good coach, and I think that I have a lot of potential as a coach, and I just want to see at the highest level. Um, am I able to compete? And am I? Do I have that knowledge that I think I have? Am I as smart um, as I think I am? Or do I see the game as good as I think I do? Yeah. Um, so having that opportunity, and, and, you know, I think in the long term, hopefully, potentially, you know, doing some positive things uh, from my position to kind of better the world also, I think, yeah. would be important. Yeah. Um, you know, 
I really get encouraged by a lot of text messages or email and Instagram messages from different individuals from around the world that just look at me and say, hey, you know, it's nice to see an Asian American coach in the NBA. Like, that really inspires me. Yeah. Yeah. you know, that means a lot to me, or, you know, I'm hoping to get there one day. So, yeah. uh, you know, all those things, I think, are a lot of the reasons why I do it. Um, but I think above and beyond, like I said before, I think just I really love basketball. Yeah. And I feel really blessed to be in the position that I am in. And, and I feel really blessed that this is, like, my job. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I tell people all the time, if I wasn't working in the NBA, I'd be at a middle school working out some kids somewhere or mm-hmm. you know, coaching high school or coaching club or working out guys because I just, I've always loved basketball. Yeah. Know? Yeah, no, man, that's, a, that's I, I like that understanding of it's self-awareness. Like you said, if I wasn't doing this, I'd be doing this. And uh, and having you know can, still working at the high school level that I work at right now and then with middle school kids as well from time to time, uh, yeah, like it's all relative if you're doing what you love to do, and it's not a job, mm-hmm. it's really a kind of a calling and a uh, and uh, an outreach if you will, and so that's great, man. Like that sounds really solid about you know as far as here again self awareness is everything to me. If you're if you're self-aware, then you're not going to try to step out and do things that you probably shouldn't do and embarrass yourself and everybody you love. Uh, you're, you're sticking to what you're good at, knowing that you can get better, knowing that you can do more, like you said. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm good at what I do, and you know you're good at it, and that's uh, it's fantastic, Coach. Now, through your career, your coaching career, what have you learned about yourself throughout that time? I think I've learned a lot about myself. Some good, some not so good. Yeah. Um, I think, like any human, we're constantly evolving and developing. Yeah. Um, as individuals, as people, as coaches. So, you know, I, I think when I was younger, I think that I felt like I was very passionate about the sport. But, and I think a lot of my characteristics when I coached was I would always fight as not just me being passionate, but when I look back at it, I think it was immaturity. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, I feel like now I, when I'm, I'm, you know, now I look back and I'm like, okay, I feel like I've matured a lot yeah. as a person and as a coach. Um, and, you know, I, I know that I, you know, that I'm a fighter, um, that I'm, you know, I'm very determined, I'm very persistent, um, in trying to get things done or trying to better myself as an individual or as a coach. Um, and I think that I've been humbled a lot. Yeah. In my coaching career, you know, I've coached, I coached some pretty bad teams, you know, that I think I went into the situation going, oh, I can change it, right? And then you realize, well, 
showing, it's going to take a lot more work and stuff to keep showing up and going to change it, right? Yeah. Um, but I think through all that, all my experiences and all that, um, it just helped me become a better person and a better coach yeah. today. And I think that kind of follows back up to what we were talking about earlier. I just um, looking back and being like, you know, I wasn't like, you know, I didn't really know what I was talking about. I um, didn't know what I was doing maybe when I was younger and stuff like that. And like, as you said, having that self-awareness that, you know, you're constantly evolving and trying, you're trying to get better and you are going to get better just by being a student of the game is important and not just resting on your goals and being okay with what you are. Yeah. Uh, always wanting more. Always trying to get, be, be more and uh, continue to grow. So, um, That's great, man. Yeah, I don't, yeah no, I, I hear what you're saying. And those are the things that propel you. Like, I, I just, you know, you talked about, man, I know I'm determined. I know I'm a fighter. I know I'm persistent. Like, when you can learn that about yourself, then here again, you look at every situation as like, this is an opportunity to prove how good I am and where I'm at. And not so that anybody else can give you kudos and pat you on the back, but you know who you are. Like, it's not a macho thing. It's just like, yeah, I know who I am. And that, that's valuable. That's invaluable. That's priceless. So that's great, man. Yeah. I want to say this. It's not, when I say things like, I want to see how I stack up, or I want to see how good I am, it's not for, I mean, it is for validation, but like, I don't, I, I guess I'm looking for validation just from myself. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not looking for like public validation or, yeah. you know, like validation from people yeah. um, outside and stuff like that, you know? Like, it's, like, to me, I just want to see and challenge myself to be the best person and best coach that I could possibly be. Yeah. And, you know, like, if I'm not, if I am not good or things like that, at least I think I have the ability to be like, okay, like, how do I get better? Or what do I need to do? Or, like, what, what, what can I do to get better so that I can see? But I, I, I always say this, I have a guy that I work with right now, and he's a young, he's younger and stuff like that. He just graduated college, and I'm, con- I, I, I'm constantly telling him just, you know, it's not we're not seeking the validation that you know we worked with this guy and you know we made him better and stuff like that. And, oh, hold on, Mike, I lost my train of thought here, so we're gonna have to release it. Yeah, um, it's all right. Um, about validation. Uh, yeah, I just, no, like, okay, I, I'm not seeking validation, but, you know, I just, for me, I just want to see if I can be successful at this level. And if I'm not, I guess I'm okay with it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I could, I think I'm good enough for 
personally, I'm good enough to be like, all right, you know, I gave it my best effort, and this is going to be my role, or this is what I am going to be. Yeah. You know? But if I don't go for it and try it, like, I want to be a head coach. And yeah. I'm very upfront about that a lot to everybody. Yeah. And, you know, so I am doing everything every single day to, that's my goal, and how every day I'm trying to work toward that goal. Wow. And if I don't make it, and the highest position I make is assistant coach, or even the position I am in now, that's the highest position that I get. I can live with that because I know that I gave it my best shot. Yeah, your human potential, basically. Like, we all want to reach our potential in life. We don't want to look back and say, wow, I really petered out of that situation. Like, I didn't even try. And then you're, you're so much more aware of where you were at then to say, I could have done it. Dang. Like, I should have just tried. Like, I would have done something, you know. I think we all, you know, hindsight, twenty twenty, all day. And uh, I think, yeah, your human potential, you want to tap into that. Because I think we're all more, we have so much more potential than we even realize. Uh, even if, Even in our self-awareness, being to the highest levels, there's still so much more that we could do. And I don't think we even can comprehend it at times. Because we look at ourselves through a lens that is skewed and biased to a degree. So, yeah, yeah, I hear completely what you're saying. And, 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 Coach, I just, you know, you keep, with that mentality, Coach, you'll get to where you're supposed to be, you know. I think that's the biggest thing for a lot of us is we might not get where we want to be, but we're going to be where we're supposed to be. And sometimes what we're supposed to be is far far beyond our wildest imagination either. So I think that's that's the hope in the in the in the, the goodness of it all with persevering like you're talking I about. I feel like I'm... I feel like I'm already beyond my highest imagination. Wow. Wow. You know, I never, I never thought I'd be here. And, yeah. Um, I feel blessed. Yeah. And I'm even in this have this opportunity in the new position. Yeah. No, nah, man. I mean, it's, it's a dream come true, but I, I always look at it like this. Like if I get somewhere where I didn't think I could get, Heck, while I'm here, let's go for it, you know? Let's go for the gusto, mm-hmm. man. Let's reach for the mm-hmm. stars. And they say, well, if you reach for the stars, you might hit the moon. But nah, man, I want to I go to Mars. Forget the moon. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I want something so great. And uh, and I think that's, I think you're going to get that, Coach. I really do. That's hearing your, your story and your journey, man. It's like, yeah, you're going to get, you're going to get something good, man. Believe me. Now, my last question is always about legacy. And I know you're still you know, young like me, and uh, you've got a long ways to go. And, uh, but kind of a working legacy in that every day you do your job, you work hard, you, you pour into other people uh, for, for, you know, either player development or just being a friend. Uh, but, like, you always know that at the end of it, people are going to say something about you. And what would you want, I guess, people to say about you at the end of your career? that I was a good coach, but more importantly, I was a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, what I hope that people will say. Yeah. No, man, and that's how, that's at the, at the core of it all, if we can all have that as coaches, say, you know, 
Yeah, maybe wasn't the best at that. Maybe wasn't the best at that. Um, we didn't win all these games. Maybe you know, I, there's all those achievements and, and and metrics that we can you know measure our success by. But I think successful people know how to work with people and leave an imprint uh, on people's lives. And so yeah, that's a that's a fantastic coach. Now, I thank you so much, man. It's been real. And it's exactly, you know, kind of what we aim for on the podcast is to have these moments and then these times where it's like we're finding out who people really are because people can look at your position and say, God, he's lucky. Wow, how lucky. He gets to have stories about Damian Lillard. Wow, what a lucky guy. Like, yeah, but there's work involved. There's a, there is a journey. There was a struggle. There were these life experiences that are so tough and you have to persevere through so here again, man. I thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Well, thank you for having me.